We want to start this episode with a very special birthday message to the man who made Trophy Horse possible. Happy 65th birthday, Glenn Miller! You were reading ads on Trophy Horse before Amazon caught a whiff of what we were cooking. And, I gotta say, you're a smart man. You knew not to invest in the New York Rangers, unlike Tricky, because you knew that the Rangers would never live up to expectations. Always bet on winners, sir. We know that Tricky and Sweet Mama D miss you very much, so we wanted to recognize this special day in your honor. To Glenn! To Glenn Miller. You are listening to Trophy Horse. With your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. And welcome to Trophy Horses. This is episode 505, and December is home to a lot of great birthdays. Not only Tricky's dad, but also the man with me, my partner this week. Yield, you're a December birthday, baby. I am. I am. Uh, mine was a couple weeks ago. Yours was just this past week. Yeah. Um, so it is It is a, a good weekend for, for both of us, actually. Um, I'm decked out in Bengal gear because uh, we won. and. Your Packers pulled out a win, so my football team went from looking outside of the playoffs as of today to now first place in the division. Well, not only that yield, if we're talking football, the Kentucky Wildcats ended up ranked number 25 at the end of the season. With 9-3, they're actually playing in a New Year's Day Bowl. They're playing Iowa, I believe, in the Citrus Bowl. So that's a... Ooh, that's, that's, that could be that's a big a, win for them. Uh, it's been a long time since we've been in a bowl that prestigious, so... Go get them, Wildcats. And also, Kentucky basketball apparently shredded UNC yesterday. So, Well, that's good. So I know what you'll be doing New Year's. You might be watching a bowl game. Well, I got to find it. Since we don't have a uh, cable, got to have to find a uh, a good way to watch it, a secondary way to watch it. Cause... Well, with it being the Citrus Bowl, I do think they televise that. Oh, they would have to. But yeah, we, I mean, we. I mean, I guess we could watch on ESPN.com or something. That Find some way uh, or some place that they're, they're streaming it. But, uh, but yeah... My birthday was on the 14th. Ashley took me out to a very nice dinner that day. Had some shrimp and grits for dinner with some lobster fritters for an appetizer. I wanted to say thank you to uh, the goddess, to Yield, to Gareth, to Homer, Riley, and also to Nitro, all who sent me a birthday message that day. So thank you all very much. Really, really appreciated all the birthday love. What what did you do for your birthday? Uh, uh, Wife took me out for lunch. We went uh, to kind of our little favorite steakhouse for lunch, and then I pretty much kind of just chilled at home the rest of the day, played some video games, had some lasagna for supper. It was a good day. Treated myself to a treated myself to a four day weekend. Took a couple of days off of work. It was good. Lasagna there. Hold, hold on there, Garfield. Oh, I, it's got to be lasagna. Absolutely. That's like next to pizza. That's my favorite. Well, you had a birthday haul too. You got at least one video game in there. I did. I got uh, SRX, the video game, because I, I like those little racing games. Uh, I got a $25 PSN card from uh, Homer and his wife. And my wife got me the video game and the board game Ticket to Ride. A ticket to Ride is a lot of fun, so that's a very quality present. Yes. 
Yeah, and uh, I actually, Ashley got me a PSN card, and I was able to purchase Returnal for my birthday. Oh, and awesome! Knowing how difficult that game is, and, and everyone kind of putting out those those warnings out there that hey, be be uh, be careful because this game is really difficult. And Daryl talking about how there are just now people that he listened to talk about the game. They're just now getting to the end of it. It's uh, I couldn't like I was you know I'd either be too tired after work or it had to be too late in the evening for me to start it. So I haven't started Returnal yet. I feel like I got to be in the mindset for a game that difficult, but I am excited to play it. And you know, like I always said, it uh, it was the next game on my list, and it was going to be my kind of my present to myself. But thankfully, Ashley took the step there and gave me the money that I needed to buy it. So I'm looking looking forward to playing it. Probably have some thoughts for you guys on next week's episode. But uh, went back and uh, well, actually, no, I don't even know. Why I'm about ready to get into uh, what we've been playing because uh, we're not even there yet. But um, yeah, what do you what do you say we update everyone in our our trophy counts here All right. for the week? Because you know that's being the trophy horse. That's what we do. Definitely what uh, we do. better than most people is get them trophies. So tricky. Who uh, you guys may have noticed, tricky is not here tonight. Tricky is off uh, spending some time with sweet Mama D, um, spending the, his dad's birthday in their own special way. Tricky is a level 676 with a total trophy count of 16,306 trophies, platinum count of 366. I am level 452 with a total trophy count of 7,723 with a platinum count of 119 in 118 games. Yield, I believe you're next, sir. I am level 464 with a trophy count of 8,033 and a platinum count of 144. Since I wasn't here the whole show last week, and was able to do my trophy count, I have gotten two new Platinums since the last time I've recorded, or started the show, put it that way. Yeah, and you got some nice symmetry there to your your levels, 464, just like we got in the title to the show, 505, the episode number, some nice symmetry there, so yes. that's always some weird nerdy plus that I like to look at. Also got Sid at level 532, a total, tro- total trophy count of 10,890, and a platinum count of 196. Oh, and, you know, his trophy total his trophy count got left in here, so we might as well read Daryl, because yes. we were actually supposed to have Daryl on with us tonight. Couldn't make it happen, so hopefully we can have Daryl on again soon. But Daryl is a level 665, 15,096 total, trophy, total trophies with a platinum count of 354. Daryl, for some reason, we didn't update your trophies. Sorry about that, but we did want to give you some representation since... Uh, I was the mo- the one who made the agenda this week, and Tricky couldn't hide your stellar numbers with uh with his chicanery. Not at all. All right, Yield. Well, okay. Now that we've plowed through the numbers like a snowplow tears through the uh the snow, what uh, what have you been playing? So, um, I've been playing Batman: The Enemy Within. I finished out Telltale's Batman series, which is really good, by the way. If you if you haven't played it, I recommend playing both of them. They're they're really good. There are decisions that you make because how you're playing, at least how I was playing. And I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go with this decision. And it would like totally backfire the way that it seemed like it was going to go. So I, I like that aspect because then it made you think later of, well, this seems like the safe decision that I'm play, playing down, but is it going to blow up in my face? Anyway, so really good. I've been working on Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands. Uh, Baja, Edge of Control HD, uh, Kingdom of, Kingdoms of Al, Amalar Reckoning, the PS3 version, and I fired up Watch Dogs, uh, Bad Blood DLC, 
and kind of started working on that to try to earn some rare trophies for the PSN Profiles competition, winner tag team competition. So that's that's kind of all I've been working on. And I mentioned I had two Platinums since the last time I read my trophy count. And those were in uh, Batman, The Enemy Within, and Baja, Edge of Control. Most excellent. Oh, and also oh. been playing some Rocket League. Yeah, I was going to ask you, because I've also been playing some Rocket League. We've been playing some Rocket League together. We just started on the 16th, the Frosty Fest, one of the annual events in Rocket League. And, and what do you think of this year's Frosty Fest? I was kind of disappointed. I mean, I I like how they've done away with the with you know the snowflakes, you know. Or, yeah, the the or, holiday currency where you play a game currency. where yeah, you would play a game and earn a random amount of currency to spend towards something else. Now, now, I mean, ever since they did, they went to free to play. That's one of the best changes they made. Is that during these these events. You only have to do certain tasks, some certain in-game tasks, yeah. like score so many goals, win so many games to earn the to earn the rewards to you know decorate your car. So I mean that too is a, is another big plus for me. I really, I kind of thought they were a little disappointing. I mean the 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 bell wheels are kind of cool, and the uh, the drummer hat was nifty. Other than that, I was just kind of like, eh. but you know, I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to overly knock something that they didn't make us pay for. So, but yeah, I mean, that was kind of my first. I think I thought that the the haunted the haunted hallows with the the tie into DC Comics and Batman really really cool rewards that you could earn from that. Yes, that was that was those were good rewards for that event. And coming off of that, I feel like the rewards for this year's Frosty Fest were not as good. You know, they got some stuff in there for the Nutcracker. They've got. You know, like you said, two different colored uh, drummers hat. I mean, it's the same drummers hat, just one's white and the other one's red. You know, I mean, they they've got some cool decals in there, but just nothing that super stands out in the way. Like you know, one of the previous Frosty Fest had like the hearth wheels, where it's like a little fireplace with stockings hung and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh yeah, but, the one the ones that I'm rocking. Yeah, the proper decorations. And last year had the or I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but it had the decal for one of the cars where it was like the Christmas lights. You know, and there was yep, just like that a little, was last year. Yeah. A little bow that you could put on top of your car. Your car. Um, like it was a gift or, you know, the, the peppermint wheels. Those are really cool. So, I mean. That was last year as well. A little disappointing, you know, in light of, of the holiday events of, you know, the previous year as well as coming off of the Haunted Hallows. But still, I mean, some solid things in there. And regardless, it's always, you know, these little in-game events that they do, they always, you know, liven things up. They always make you excited to play Rocket League again. And, you know, you're always sitting there. It's kind of like, you know. A kid on Christmas, where you're you're sitting there, like you know that the event's coming up. They'll announce it a few days before, and you just want to see what the rewards are. It's like, okay, what are the new items we're gonna get? This is really cool. So, one thing I wish they would do is some of the older holiday gifts or the holiday rewards. I, I wish they would put them in the shop. I mean, I know they can't, you know, constantly redo all the, the items that they did previously and make them rewards for the the uh, holiday event. But it'd be nice if they could just put all holiday themed stuff in the shop from pre from well, you know yesteryear. Where you could buy that stuff if you wanted. I did notice. Was it last? Was it? We played some yesterday. It was either yesterday or, or Friday. Uh, me and Homer and uh, Tricky and a coworker of Homer's. We were all playing, and that must have been Friday because I know that Homer was saying he had gotten some of his coworkers into the game, and that he specifically mentioned on Friday that they were jumping on there. Okay. Um, there was a couple things in the daily store from 
I think last year's Christmas holiday. So I'm, I'm hoping that they, they go even farther back because we were talking about that when we were all playing that the, the very first year they had, and I, cause I really wasn't doing the holiday events that much. They had a, a, a car topper. It was reindeer antlers with Christmas lights that went through them and they kind of blinked or whatever. I've always wanted those. And, uh, Riley's got a, a rocket boost that when you hit it, it goes ho, 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 and it shoots presents out the back. I'm like, oh, I've always wanted that one too. So I, I'm hoping that they one go- of those rocket boosts where it's like, okay, you hear it throughout the game. And you're at some point, you're like, okay, buddy, I've heard way too much of that rocket boost. Yeah, kind of like the Joker laugh. Yeah, that I've got on my, my Gotham City SWAT van. Yeah, I've got the same thing on mine. But, anyway, I'm, I'm hoping that they go back more than just, like, a year or two. I hope they do, like, all of their holiday events. They're going to put it in the store. Because that's one of the things that would be really cool about Rocket League is, you know, you got to love the Rocket Pass because you get, you know, I mean, you pay to pay be part of the Rocket Pass. But there's, especially, you know, the last two seasons... There have been some really cool rewards in there that you can earn, just, you know, outfit your car with. But I think that paying more respects to Rocket League's past and making some of that stuff more accessible, you know, for people who are just picking up the game, even if, you know, they have to use credits to buy it, just making that stuff accessible would be really cool because, I mean, the game is not like, you know, the game was brand new last year. Like, yes, it went free to play, but the game is, you know, came out in 2015. So, you know, let's let's pay some respects to the history of Rocket League. Absolutely. And, you know, Yield, I've I've been playing some Rocket League, but I've been doing a little bit more than Rocket League. Uh, nothing really trophy earning, but I went back and after playing Mega Man 3 and Mega Man 4, I went back and played Mega Man 5 this week. And, uh, yeah, I mean, those were those were like the three big big Mega Man NES games that I played when I was a kid. Um, I guess I played one as well, but one just has never been my, my favorite Mega Man. It's I feel like it's very middle of the road, very meh, like a good first attempt, but you can see how much better the series has gotten after that game. And, you know, 2 just hasn't held up as well, so I have the most nostalgia and most ties to Mega Man 3, 4, and 5. And uh, enjoyed Mega Man 5, it's not as good as 3 or 4, and I feel like it kind of comes across as too easy. You know, the Mega Buster does a lot for you in those games, and a lot of the bosses... You know, just when I thought I've lost my step in video games because I just turned 37, I go through and I beat some of the bosses in Mega Man 5 that I previously thought were the hardest and that I needed energy canisters or or special weapons for. But no, uh, you know, I beat Napalm Man and I beat Wave Man just without any kind of weapons at all, just using the Mega Buster, no energy canisters. So I'm out here proving that, yeah, Grandpa still has got it. So, uh... Been been on the Mega Man kick lately. Like I said, I've been watching all kinds of different lists and rankings videos on YouTube. So I kind of got uh, tunnel vision there on Mega Man. I just got really deep into it. So now that that's done, I've got Returnal. I definitely want to to switch to the to the new new generation of games again. But it's always nice to step back into the past and play Mega Man, considering it's one of my favorite game series. And I think from here on out, I made a post about it in the the Facebook thread a few weeks ago. But I really want to. Go back and play at least a little bit of Mega Man every year, just because the series is is one of my favorites in history. So, you do you have a, a an old series like that that you want to go back and play occasionally? Ah, uh, you know, I always liked the 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 top down 
uh, car games from the NES, you know, Jackal and Tiger Hilly. I always enjoyed those. So I guess I, I guess I would say those. Fair enough. Well, Yield, we're going a little, we're taking things a little from, away from the vintage and the retro to the more new school and uh, showing a little love to one of the big Sony exclusives that's coming out here within the next couple months, Horizon Forbidden West. And the PlayStation blog had a new post highlighting some of the new machines that we can expect in Horizon Forbidden West. Um, So Horizon Forbidden West will be coming out on February 18th. This blog post comes from Ben McCall, the narrative director at Guerrilla Games. Quote, on February 18th, Aloy will venture into the dangerous frontier of the Forbidden West, confronting a huge variety of deadly new machines. You saw many of these steel beasts revealed last week at the Game Awards, but today Gorilla offers a closer look at the armored Rollerback, the graceful Sunwing, and the acid-spitting Slitherfang. Plus several more. Some serve as guardians of the natural order, while others are built only to kill. Even worse, the power to control them has fallen into the wrong hands. With that in mind, uh, you could probably kind of tell just by the names that, oh, hey, the Sunwing is a flying machine. Uh, but I think they're also, um, like, the, the Slitherfang, like, I guarantee everyone can guess what that is. But they, they've always done a really good job, like the Snap Maws and the, the new new to Horizon Forbidden West, the Tremor Tusk. They've always done a really good job of naming the machines to make them, you know, you know what they are, but also they're very fearsome names. So I, I think that those names have always had a really cool edge to them, like the Sawtooth, that makes that adds to the fear and the lore of these creatures. Yield, did you see anything in particular in the uh, the trailer that was particularly terrifying or really cool? Uh, the giant snake. Yeah. So if you don't know, the Slitherfang is a giant cobra, and and a giant cobra, <laughs> big. And if you were scared of the Tremor Tusk or the Snap Maws, like, gonna be honest, Snap Maws, very scary. This new machine, the Slitherfang, might be the most terrifying thing they've introduced into this game series. Because it's almost like the, uh, when it gets pissed off, I can only assume that it, it gets that Cobra hood up, like when it's getting ready to attack, but instead of just being like a hood, it's like a hood made of like light tubes that light up. Like, it's about to fuck up your world. So, I mean, that thing is just looks awful. And I guarantee it's going to be a bitch to fight. The Sun Wings, they look like pterodactyls. And then you got the roller back, which I didn't really get. What It almost looked like a some kind of mixture of an armadillo and some kind of, like, cat, some kind of battle cat. But I really couldn't tell. Yo, could you make make anything out of that one? No, not really. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out what it is. Well, it's the one that like starts rolling at you like an armadillo, like it goes. Yeah, I, I tucks its I head just under. Saw that. And I'm like, I'm like, I wonder. Yeah, an armadillo would be the closest thing I would think. And then they showed off, and I don't know if they showed this at the uh, the Game Awards, but they had a um, some underwater, some aquatic machines that almost looked kind of like dinosaurs. Um, I don't know if we classify them as Liplorodons or plesiosaurs. Not really sure which one is the accurate one on that, but it, it kind of looked like almost like a prehistoric creature. So, if you thought the machines in the original Horizon were great, they have spent apparently years making even bigger and more terrifying ones. Because the Tremor Tusks are great. They look freaking awesome. And then you show the Slitherfang, which you know they were saving that one for a reveal just before the end of the year to get people even more hyped for this game. Because even though I'm terrified of snakes, I see the Slitherfang and I was like, oh man. And, And you know, in the previous game in Horizon... 
even the Thunder Jaws, you could put them under your control and you can have them help fight on your side. You know, can you imagine turning one of these things, the Slither Fangs, against your enemies? Oh, that'll be slick. So, Guerrilla Games, you're doing fantastic with these machines. I can only imagine that if you what's going to come our way in the third installment. But yeah, kudos on the Slither Fang. That thing looks awesome. Yeah, I, I didn't think you could top the Tremor Tusk. And by I, God, I didn't think you it. could top the, the, the Snap Maws, because I didn't see those things coming. And when I first fought them, I'm like, Jesus Christ, get me away from this machine. Oh, for, I, I, for the longest time, I mean, even though... Uh, why am I drawing a blank? The the the, the Thunderjaw. Even though the Thunderjaw y- you took carefully because it could wreck you, you you once you figured out kind of how to beat it, you were like, okay, this is what I gotta do. But the snap malls, I avoided them things like the plague un- until I think I got the, the fire uh slingshot. Because that seemed to that seemed to do a lot of damage to it, if I if I'm thinking right, and that that was when I would get a little bit more confident and okay, now I'll take you guys on. But for the most part, I'm like, nope, snap, mom. Okay, we'll go the other way. Yeah, I don't know if you'd ever seen, but on YouTube, I saw kind of this trend of videos, in particular tied to Bloodborne, where there would be scenes from Bloodborne, people would be playing, and then they would get to an area with some like specific terrifying enemy. And then it'd be like, nope, 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 nope. And it'd just see them retreating, like back down a ladder, or turn around and, and hightail it the other way. So that that's me when I see a snap mall. It's like, nope, 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 nope. Not today. Nope, going the other direction. Yeah, so we'll have to see how how uh, the the Slither Fang and the Tremor Tusk are. You know, are, are, they, are they the nope, go the other way, or are they the bring it on? I, I don't know if, if either are the bring it on, but I think that you're going to get too caught into a point where you're not going to be able to outrun either one. I don't think you can outrun a Tremor Tusk because of its stride, the, the length of its stride. And you certainly aren't going to be able to outrun a, a Slither Fang. If you can just, no. you don't create an enemy like that and allow people to run away from it because that just seems to defeat the purpose of putting it into the game. You want to challenge players by putting this difficult enemy in there. So, But we go from gawking at the awesome new machines of Horizon Forbidden West to gawking at the designs of Odin and Surt in the newest expansion for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. This post comes on the PlayStation blog, and it's written by Darren Bontheus, a PS blog correspondent. A year after it first launched, Assassin's Creed Valhalla has delivered its honest promise of providing a grand Viking experience. Ivor's journey saw the warrior unite the feuding kingdoms of England, foil an insidious druidic plot in the Emerald Isle of Ireland, and dethrone an emperor after a quick trip to France. Between the base experience and expansions, Assassin's Creed Valhalla has grown with new modes, challenges, and authentic festivals that brought some very merriment to Ivor's settlement. Year 2, Gods and Crossovers. Ubisoft's only getting started, though, as Year 2 of Assassin's Creed Valhalla kicks off with an ambitious crossover, crossover event with Assassin's Creed Odyssey this month, as fan-favorite character Cassandra jo- journeys to England and crosses paths with Ivor. Then in March, fans can prepare for an epic clash of the gods and Dawn of Ragnarok, Assassin's Creed Valhalla's next major expansion. Dawn of Ragnarok leans heavily into the Asgard fantasy that played a vital part in Valhalla's first year, aiming to provide over 35 hours of new content across a collection of Norse realms that are roughly one-third the size of England. So I'm going to break away from the quote here and just say, uh, good on Ubisoft, because for years we've, you know, we've talked about the concerns surrounding Assassin's Creed, it's like, hey, you had this great new franchise, but now you have 
X many game X many number of games every year, and you just like it becomes a factory, and it becomes like a an assembly line where it's just Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed. It's like almost like Capcom used to do with Mega Man back in the day, and too many Assassin's Creed. Now it seems like with Assassin's Creed Valhalla, them different delivering so much content via expansions to the game that you have a platform instead of just a game. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, another 35 hours in the Dawn of Ragnarok, I mean, that's a whole other game, in essence. Yeah, and I think that that's the best way to do it, because these mythologies are so interesting, and they have so many fans, that with as much research as Ubisoft does into these games, and into these universes, and into the mythos, it only benefits them to just expand on that and make the world as big as they can, because people love Norse mythology. So the more that you give them, the more that they're likely, you know, they'll they'll invest in it. They'll buy more of it. And you look at the design of Cert, and look, Cert was in Hellblade, and Cert was a an opposing enemy, the fire giant. But he, I don't know if you're looking at the picture now, Yield, but the Assassin's Creed Valhalla Cert looks like an absolute bad motherfucker. Oh yeah. I at first thought it was kind of Kratos. Yeah, a different kind of terrifying than the Slitherfang, but terrifying nonetheless. And yes, he does look like he could be out of the God of War Norse mythology line. But no, I mean, they've they've done some great designs here, especially with young Odin. So, And the fact that they're crossing over between the games, and, you know, because you've got that whole history jumping, timeline jumping thing, where you go back and relive the memories of your ancestors, and that's how, you know, they get around and allow their characters to travel so many timelines within history. And I think that just letting people play within the sandbox even more is just a good idea. So I did want to give Ubisoft credit for that because it seems like they've slowed that things down with Assassin's Creed and they're now focusing on on just expanding universes rather than taking players every single place. You know, like your family might go to a brand on a brand new vacation every summer if you were lucky. And it just seems like that would what so Ubisoft did. It's like, okay, well every year we're gonna take you to a new location and they've kind of slowed that, which I definitely appreciate. Getting back to the blog post, quote, Assassin's Creed Valhalla was more than just a historical dive into the age of Vikings when it launched last year. As Ubisoft's game opened up the realm of Asgard to players and saw Ivar remember their past life as Odin, king of the gods, and protector of the realms. Ivar will once again slip into a deep slumber that allows them to relive their previous life as Odin, who faces a new threat to Asgard from the combined forces of Jotunheim, Frost Giants, and the demonic forces of Muspelheim, led by the Allfather's greatest nemesis, Sir. With the odds stacked against him and his son Baldur held captive by Jotnar, Odin will have to travel to Svartalheim to enlist the aid of the dwarves if he's to save the Nine Realms from all destruction. Uh, stepping away from the quote again, that sounds like some Lord of the Rings shit right there uh, involving the elves in it, but that's... Or excuse me, the dwarves, not the elves. Um, that sounds really cool. Like having to go recruit the, dwar- the dwarves to help you f- your army fight or help you fight. Definitely a nice touch. I'm... Um, that makes me actually jealous that I don't own the game, but I also feel like with how much content they've released for it, at this point, it would be such a massive endeavor to get to that point that it kind of scares me away. But that is cool that they're involving the dwarves and you have to recruit their help in order to uh, not be completely overcome. Quote, we based our design of the dwarven realm on the Norse sagas in order to create a documented mythological fantasy, explains Ubisoft Sophia producer Mariana Gosteva of the New Locale. The scale of Svartalheim is indeed vast. We recreate we created a strong setting allowing us to expand the story of Odin in their quest to save 
your beloved son, Balder. But there's even more to that. One of our key objectives from the very beginning was when designing the world was to offer to players the opportunity to explore and investigate, to provide them with a playground where they can engage with a world very different from what they have enjoyed in the main game so far, and to experiment with all the fresh new ingredients we have added to the gameplay. The greatest artisans in the land have been driven into exile by Surt's armies, so it'll be up to you to find them. While Odin is no slouch when it comes to combat, the King of Asgard will need to unlock new godly powers in the war against Surter and Surter, Surt. And thanks to the uh, Huger Rip Bracer that uh, he acquires, he'll be able to blend Assassin's Creed trademark stealth and covert backstabbing techniques with the game's more physical and brutal combat system to tear through enemies. In the expansion, we introduce an entirely new gameplay system which will allow players to harness the power of their enemies. Gustave explains, the new system promotes the fantasy that you play as the god Odin. It emulates the core pillars of the game and offers players multiple opportunities to experience and to experiment and strategize. This system is a fresh and unique addition to the combat system of Valhalla. It refreshes the whole fight experience and adds a brand new layer of fun. One of the more fascinating powers that Odin wields is the ability to shapeshift into a raven and sneak up on enemies. That's fucking cool. Quote, catching them unaware when he transforms back into his godly form and delivers a killer blow. Expect to unlock new abilities and weapons classes that transform Odin to a one-god army who could demolish any obstacle in his way. Uh, stepping away from the quotes, uh, when you're dealing with gods and goddesses, the ability to feel like a bad motherfucker and just take on all comers, I think, is important because, obviously, these are respected individuals of a mythos, and you can't, I guess in some places, you can't have them be too powerful, and you gotta show that, yes, they can be weak at moments, too, they can be vulnerable, just like regular mortals, but then at other times, you gotta turn the power up to 11 and jack up the voltage and let them just rip through people. Ending the blog post here with more quotes, when, we, when uh, we on our end are extremely excited to see how players will discover and experiment with the powers, says Gosteva, they will have the chance to work on and adapt the strategy to upgrade and use the powers in many unique and ingenious ways. In Dawn of Ragnarok, we're introducing a new weapon class with a specific combo system, and it's super exciting to play with it. It was one of our goals to give players different opportunities to fight their enemies in a fresh new way from what they have experienced in Valhalla. Odin's battle against rebellious realms is just the start of his journey, as will he'll be able to test his mettle in the trials of Valkyrie of the Valkyrie. This new arena will push you your skill to the breaking point, but if you survive, you'll be rewarded with some of the finest loot to outfit Ivor and Odin in. For veteran players who went to the effort to collect ancient relics such as Thor's armor or the mighty Excalibur sword, details on how those ancient artifacts will be for, uh, were forged will re be revealed in the expansion. We've res we have expanded on the core pillars of Valhalla from combat to stealth and from puzzle to exploration, says Gosteva. We have made sure that the expansion offers something fresh and new for players of all playstyles. The new gameplay system will allow Odin to acquire powers of their enemies, provides great opportunity to diversify and refresh the whole experience. The powers open an entirely new way to play the game. And again, you can look forward to the release of this expansion on the PS4 and PS5 on March 10th of next year. Yo, that's a whole lot of content there, and I got that's a whole that, that's a whole new game. I can I can breathe again, but one of the things that I I do like about this because this I mean this game has been released you know in between the the releases of the two God of War Norse lines is that this is a much different take on Norse mythology than what we are seeing in God of War. I mean, obviously they went to England, so you know I mean none of that was touched on in God of War, but this is a deeper, more expensive look at Norse mythology. While encompassing some of what happens in God of War, not like canon God of War, but just some of the, the gods and goddesses they touched on there, we're also seeing in this. But, you know, things are getting more fleshed out. And I, I just feel that 
you know, even if you played God of War and you want to play Ragnarok, like even if you, you know, played Assassin's Creed Valhalla 2, it's not like you're going to get the exact same experience. Even narratively, you're going to get a much different look and interpretation of Norse mythology. Because again, in God of War, Baldur was an enemy. And in this, you're, you play as the ancestor Odin and you're trying to save Baldur. So, I mean, they're, you're playing from their perspectives being good guys as opposed to God of War where Kratos is the good guy and then Odin is potentially the bad guy. Yeah. So their ability to make this Norse mythology set aside and set, be set apart from other ones of very popular games, I think is more kudos to, to Ubisoft. Yield, after hearing all of this, is there anything that would drive you to buy Assassin's Creed Valhalla, say if it ever got to the cheap, or you like me, and you know, you just look of it's almost like Doctor Who, where you know Ashley loves Doctor Who and she wants me to to, to start watching it with her, and I'm willing to, but it but to start from the beginning seems like such a daunting task that we're just going to have to start from somewhere in the middle and go from there. One of the more popular series uh, recently, but you know with this game you got to play the base game to get to the expansion. So is this game so big now that? You know, if you adopt, adopted early on, hey, that's great. But if you're someone who, you know, is looking on now, it's like, my God, this this game looks great. It looks so fun. Is it too daunting? Yes and no. Um, yes, because it's a massive game. Uh, no, because we'll just have to wait and see what Sony's lineup becomes as the five develops. Because, I mean, if it starts to get a little lackluster, this could be something that you could play. I know I have I have a few Assassin's Creed games in my backlog that I'm going to start working through because I've heard such good things about it. So alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to start getting through it. Will I ever get the Valhalla? I don't know. But I'm I'm gonna start to make my way towards it. And as as much as Assassin's Creed Valhalla has expanded, we're seeing Tencent expand even further uh, with the latest news brought to us by ign.com courtesy of author taylor lyles the headline is tencent acquires back for blood developer turtle rock studios quote tencent has announced today that is acquired california-based developer turtle rock studios developer of back for blood and the left for dead series a press release sent out today notes that the turtle rock turtle rock will become part of tencent the though the studio will remain its independent, retain its independent operations in Lake Forest, California, with the existing team continuing to run all studio operations. The press release also confirms that Turtle Rock co-founders Phil Robb and Chris Ashton will continue to lead the studio following the acquisition. Additionally, a spokesperson told IGN in an email confirming the Turtle Rock partnership with Warner Brothers to publish Back for Blood is not affected by the recent acquisition. Quote within the article, we are looking forward to joining the Tencent Family Studios. Turtle Rock Studios uh, President and General Manager Steve Goldstein said in the press release, Tencent's outstanding partners, global reach, deep knowledge of gaming, and unprecedented support will help us create the kinds of ambitious games we dream of while allowing us to retain our autonomy and independent spirit. Tencent picking up, an, um, and this is going back to the author's quote, Tencent picking up another studio comes as a little surprise considering the gaming giant has acquired several other studios this year. In July, the company announced it was acquiring Sumo Group, the developer behind Sackboy, A Big Adventure. In November, as reported by Bloomberg, Tencent announced that they acquired Wake Up Interactive. Uh, founded in 2002, Turtle Rock Studios began as an independent developer, but in 2008, shortly before its co-op zombie shooter Left 4 Dead was released, the company was acquired by Valve and renamed Valve South. The studio was split from Valve in 2010 and refound itself under the name Turtle Rock Studios once more. I bring this up because 
you know, uh, it, well, go, go, go well Back for Blood and Left for Dead are huge games. Uh, and, you know, uh, Back for Blood obviously being a spiritual successor, kind of a follow up to Left for Dead. And, they're, you know, it's, it's very uh, obvious of that, very overt. They kind of slap you in the face with it. But, I mean, given the fact that they let um, Left for Dead lie fallow for some time to let, you know, that land get fertile again. Uh, it's, you know, a, a good time to release a sequel and because, you know, people who like Left 4 Dead, they have some time away from that series and it's like, oh, here's something else just like that. I'm 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 ready again all these years later. But I add this in there because, you know, I saw when Sony bought Housemark, I saw people, you know, kind of scared that Sony and Microsoft would start stockpiling developers and start stockpiling studios in, in some kind of arms race when it comes to games. And, you know, so uh, Microsoft had previously bought Bethesda and you saw them buy Ninja Theory and Double Fine. And Sony has since made, I think, a total of five acquisitions this year, including Bluepoint Studios. So, I, I, you know, after seeing the trepidation when it comes to Sony and Microsoft buying up studios, to me, Tencent is far scarier because Tencent is kind of like, if you don't like Sony, you don't like Microsoft, they're kind of like, the devil you know, whereas Tencent is the devil you don't. Because I feel like a lot of people don't realize how big Tencent is and how far their reach goes. So them buying yet another studio, especially one with big IPs like Back for Blood and all that, that to me is far more worrying. Because Tencent to me already has far more control over things than they need to have. I was going to say, aren't, aren't, aren't they supposed to be kind of like the evil empire? I mean... I mean, weren't we weren't we earlier in the year speaking there were articles that were not very fond of this company? I mean, this am, am, am I wrong with that? No, you're not. I mean, we've talked about okay. Tencent before in this, and they're they are a huge studio. I think like the, the biggest gaming company within China, and we all know how big and populous China is. So, I mean, they're you know they've got their hands in a lot of different pots and. It's nice that Turtle Rock is going to get to retain their autonomy, and it seems like Tencent allows a lot of people to retain their autonomy. But when you talk about monopolies, Tencent is kind of one of those companies that immediately comes to mind to me because they've just acquired so much and they have, you know, a stake in so many things, including something like Epic Games. Um, so you know they they develop Pokemon Unite. They you know Epic Games has Fortnite. So there's just it's always seemed to me like Tencent was just expanding at a rate that was kind of alarming that a lot of people didn't realize because they seemed to work behind the shadows, so to speak. Um, they kind of worked behind the curtain where Sony and Microsoft people were paying attention to. Tencent's doing kind of this puppetry behind everyone's, you know, gaze. Like people don't notice them as much. So anytime I see that Tencent acquires something else, I'm like, I kind of groan a little louder. I don't disagree. Yeah. So. I mean, whether or not you're, you're, you know, if if, stu- if if Tencent can give studios some protection, some financial protection, and still allow them to keep their autonomy, that's fantastic. But again, you know, in this world where monopoly- monopolies can very be very dangerous, I think that everybody just kind of needs to be aware of Tencent and, and everything they purchase, especially if you, you know, you look at Sony and Microsoft and you're like, whoa, whoa, you guys are buying too much. Also realize that Tencent out- is out there buying a lot of shit. Oh, and Yield, while we are on the topic of buying shit, and not actual shit, like good stuff, like shit we all really want, Sony has announced, via the PlayStation blog, some really new, cool uh, covers 
for the PlayStation 5 as well as controllers to go along with the covers. Uh, five new colors are going to be coming to the PlayStation Universe for the DualSense controllers as well as the covers for your PlayStation 5. Those colors are Midnight Black, Cosmic Red, Nova Pink, Starlight Blue, and Galactic Purple. And Yield, let me tell you something, these are purdy. They're purdy. But me personally, I prefer... I... I What's the word I'm looking for? I don't like solid colors. I, I I prefer, you know, either some kind of of design or a theme or something like that. But that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, but I mean, like right now, what can you get to put on your PlayStation Five or controller to do? Because I mean, the, right now the my PlayStation is Five is white, has white covers and the white dual sense. So, like, are there options for you when it comes to patterns and stuff like that? You can go to uh, Flaming Toast and have a, a basically, it's kind of like a, a peelable sticker that you can, you know, find pictures off the internet of whatever you want, really, and be like, hey, I want this. And then they will make it for you. Wait, I'm the opposite you know, of you in that system. regard, because I like the clean look of a solid color. Um you know, I can respect the different opinions, but I, I don't want to put stickers on my console because that's like, I don't want any kind of residue left on there if the stickers ever start to peel. And I don't know, I just like the clean look of the PlayStation 5, the purple color, the, the galactic purple with the controller with that mix of black and purple. That just looks so good to me. Um, so the bottom the bottom by the uh, the joysticks is, is black and then you've got the purple on top on the touchpad and where the buttons are, the D-pad and the buttons are. That just looks so slick to me, so I'm probably going to have to go with the Galactic Purple, and I think Nitro was the same boat. Yield, if you were going to buy any of these colors, if you were yes. just going to go with a solid color, is there any particular one that you would you would like? If I was going with a solid color with what's available, I would probably lean towards the purple, because purple and black have a nice a nice ring to it. Uh I wouldn't mind the the teal is too teal for me. It needs to be more of a there needs to be more blue in it. What's well, it me. is it is a light blue. Um, it's it, it's it's a it's a light blue, but I prefer a darker blue, more like Sony blue in that is, instance. So of the colors available, I would go with the 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 purple. Yes, gaining more steam for the Donatello controllers. And yes, the, the side the side. Uh, uh, the side now, shells. I, I do have to ask, so are they just coming out with new controllers with that color, or is this a skin or a cover for your controller? I'm assuming it's just that you gotta buy a new controller. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I that That's how I took it, but I wasn't for sure. I knew that the consoles, those were uh, a cover, but I didn't know about the controllers. Well, I mean, Yield, let's let's put it, let me put it to you this way. If you're Sony, Put yourself in Sony shoes. Would you rather sell covers to people that are cheaper than the cost of a DualSense? Or would you rather sell somebody an entirely new DualSense? Well, they would rather sell a whole new DualSense. And for that purple, I will definitely be willing to uh, to buy a new controller. I will. I will say that the white the controller that I have, you know, because you know, white kind of picks up dirt. Luckily. I understand the value of and how much video game consoles cost, so I 
you know, I never, I'm never sitting there eating Cheetos and playing on my console. So I've always got some, some nice clean hands when I'm playing on my, my game system, but, uh, white to me. Uh, so it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it's not like it, it, it's dirty or anything like that, or it picks up dirt, all that, uh, if you're, you know, you're careful with it, but just, it's kind of a boring color. And I just think that that purple there, it pops, more. it pops. It definitely does. It does. It does that, you know, I would be all over the purple controller or more for it. But I, I got two controllers when I hooked up my set or when I, when I got my bundle. So I'm good on controllers for the moment. Sony out here doing a good job of picking colors that really pop, really catch the eye. Uh, but for the enemies in the universe of Splinter Cell, we hope that you don't feel anything when Sam Fisher pops your neck because Ubisoft is remaking Splinter Cell. The news coming from IGN.com via Matt Perslow. The title is, as I said earlier, Ubisoft announces Splinter Cell Remake. Quote, Ubisoft has announced that it has greenlit the development of a remake of its stealth classic, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell. Announced on Ubisoft's website, the remake will be developed by lead studio Ubisoft Toronto, developers of Splinter Cell Blacklist. It will be built from the ground up using the Snowdrop engine, which is the tech being used for the Division games, the upcoming Avatar Frontiers of Pandora game, and Ubisoft's as-yet-untitled Star Wars game. An interview posted to Ubisoft website, Producer Matt West said, I think it has it kind of has to be a remake as opposed to a remaster. Although we're still in the very early stage of development, what we're trying to do is make sure the spirit of the early games remains intact in all ways that gave that gave early Splinter Cell its identity. Uh, back to the quote from the article, part of keeping that remake true to the series' identity is it will be a linear game and not an open world akin to many other Ubisoft games. As for gameplay that happens within those linear levels, the emphasis once again on stealth, not action. Quote from Ubisoft, it's safe to say that a lot of us on the team are stealth purists, and we're behind that level of seriousness when it comes to those kinds of mechanics and those sorts of things that we want to see in this game, says Chris Audi, Splinter Cell's new creative director. And we're very, very aware of what makes Splinter Cell what it is. It's important for us to preserve the sense of mastery by supporting players who observe the situations, make their plan, use their gadgets, and outsmart the enemy creatively to deal with the challenges they are presented with, he explained. Ideally, they end up coming out of the other side with no one having realized you were even there. That's the essence of Splinter Cell. The gameplay experience we are targeting is directly tied to what we want players to feel to capture the essence back when they were all playing the original games, said West. Oh, that being producer Matt West. Sorry, switching in between two Ubisoft employees there. Uh, So yeah, Ubisoft is bringing back Splinter Cell. and, And, you know, when you're doing something like this, I really wish that because I mentioned how visually I, I wasn't super keen from the start with Alan Wake Remastered. I almost wish they had done a, a remake with that game to build it from the ground up, and I think that that would have helped a lot with you know some of the quibbles with that game. But, you know, maybe there's not enough time. Um, Remedy has is doing too much. They've got too, their hands in too many pots. they got too many games coming up, especially with them announcing Alan Wake 2, so maybe they couldn't do that. But I do appreciate the fact that Ubisoft is taking the time to rebuild this game from the ground up because you know you could just do a remaster and just pop it out there but i think the them saying that hey we're 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 tied to making sure that you that you have a true experience you know true to the splinter cell universe that we are protecting the legacy of splinter cell and making you feel you know like a a, like a stealth badass we're focusing on stealth and we want you to feel the way that you felt when you played the games before all while making the game look better and updating the visuals I think that that that's great. I truly respect because I do enjoy when people do remakes. But you know, yes, you're building this game for 
newer consoles and within a new generation of video games. But I I love the fact that when you, while you can update them visually and you know the sound and everything visually and audio and, and audio wise, I love the fact when they are try they try to respect and stay true to the legacy of a game like Splinter Cell, and they don't try to just update everything to where it's, it's a game you don't recognize anymore. It's almost like it's a brand new game. So uh, I res you know I if I were a Splinter Cell fan and to be honest I'm not great at stealth games. I couldn't get into Metal Gear Solid, couldn't get into the Metal Gear games that I played. I'm more of the Sly Cooper type type of stealth. I can certainly respect what Ubisoft is doing with Splinter Cell and remaking it, rebuilding it from the ground up, as opposed to just putting out a remaster. You you love the the stealth games. You're you're a siphon filter dude. How do you? I am a siphon filter guy. How does? And I don't know if you ever played um, Splinter Cell, but how does that how does that series kind of compare to Siphon Filter, if at all? You know, I I've never played the the, the uh, Splinter Cell games. But I respected uh, the Sam Fisher character, so I'm interested to see. Um, oh, pardon me. Um, I'm interested to see how the trailer looks and and the feel of it. I believe that at at that era of when Fisher came, Splinter Cell and Fisher came out, I was I was you know all in on Metal Gear, and if if you couldn't in essence, taught me what Metal Gear was doing, I wouldn't even look your way. But um, it's got a good following. I hear it's got good stories. So I'm interested to see this remake because, you know, I missed out on this. So I would like to partake in the Sam Fisher experience. Yeah, and, you know, there are some games that have... But then, sorry, no, but then this, ahead, also gives, this also gives me hope that if we're doing Splinter Cell, then... We could get Siphon Filter at some point, someday. And I love IGN's got a uh, the the screenshot that they picked for their uh, one of their videos for one of their news segments is the where Sam Fisher's wearing the the oh um, what are they called the goggles the um, night vision goggles the night vision goggles and you just see the three green lights and just see someone Sam Fisher's face over the the, the, the wearing the mask and you know it's obviously it's a very dark area. And you just see the outline of his face and his head and you see the green lights. That's iconic because you see that and it's like Splinter Cell. I know that's Splinter Cell. Yeah. And yeah, it's so cool you think of. that you see that image and that's what your, your brain is tied to. So that's, again, like Ubisoft making Splinter Cell a huge franchise, not just for them, but in all the video games. The fact that you can see a simple image and just like, you know, your brain just immediately like it's like, boom, the light comes on. And it's like Splinter Cell. The fact that they've been, they've, they've, you know, not they haven't flogged the series, they haven't, you know, made the series like an every year annual franchise, but the fact that it's become so ingrained in, in the brains of even people who have never played the game, like that's something that really cool that that I can appreciate. It's a really cool yet simple visual that makes you can like, can you imagine like a trailer, like it's a dark room and you hear someone talking and then all of a sudden like those three green lights come on and like it just kind of outlines his face and you know immediately who it is and people just start start going batshit crazy for it just by one simple visual. I think that's so cool. Dishonored had some stealth to it. You know, there was there was some combat. It was kind of a mix of hey, you can do combat, hey, you can do stealth. And but there's, you know, Metal Gear Solid has always been carrying the flag for stealth games, but to me there's not like a lot of games that focus too heavily on stealth out there. 
which kind of makes Splinter Cell a what makes Splinter Cell such a beloved franchise. And not only just because they're quality games, but because when it comes to true stealth, you don't see a lot of people doing it, probably because a lot of game developers are out there and it's like, do people really want stealth? Do the majority of gamers really want stealth? Yeah, pe- people want to blow stuff up. Yeah, so I think that the staying true to the roots of stealth uh, is something that I will give Ubisoft kudos for. They they're seem to be hitting a home run here on, on Trophy Horse this week, not only with the new expansion for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but also with the uh, the announcement of, of Splinter Cell, a remake, again, built from the ground up as opposed to just a simple remaster. Which is good, because, uh, you know, you're going all the way back to PlayStation 2. A simple remaster, if not in the right hands, it won't age well. You know, so I, I, I like it that they're building it from the ground up, because they can make tweaks here and there for something that, you know, well, we didn't, you know, it didn't work so well on the twos, so we can make it better on the five or on the current gen. So I, I don't, I like that. Yeah, after enough time has passed, I think that you know, instead of just doing a remaster, if you have the time, you have the money, and we know that Ubisoft is a company that has the time and the money. They've just got huge teams there. They've got plenty of studios and tons of money. So just remake it, rebuild it from the ground up, and that's that's what made something like. Um, the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy is so good is that they built it from the ground up. Yes. Even though, you know, those games have been, you know, they're they're so many years old, so many decades old, and they've, you know, they've been put out, and you've been able to purchase the originals on the PlayStation Network before for the PlayStation 3, but the fact that, you know, that you rebuilt those and they look so good and so natural within, you know, today with today's games, that's definitely something uh, that's very positive. We go from a positive to a negative. CD Projekt Red, and I gotta, I just gotta say the name, and y'all can probably tell where this is headed. Just, you know, we talked about CD Projekt Red and the saga of Cyberpunk 2077, and just kinda wanna keep you guys updated on, on some of the bigger news coming out of that studio. Something not, not great, a not great PR look here for CD Projekt Red. Story comes from IGN.com. S- Title is Cyberpunk 2077 developer CD Projekt Red settles with unhappy investors for $1.85 million. Uh, this is written by Jared Moore. Quote, Cyberpunk 2077 developer CD Projekt Red has reportedly reached a settlement with an, a number of unhappy investors who had issued complaints after the game's disastrous launch last year. Earlier this year, it was reported the developer was facing four lawsuits from investors following the turbulent launch of, Triber- of Cyberpunk 2077. As reported by The Verge, CD Projekt Red has now moved to settlement set of the lawsuits which have rolled into one larger suit and in doing so appears to pay out around 1.85 million dollars to resolve the issue as per a document shared by the verge details surrounding the negoti- negotiations have now been outlined they they will likely still need to be looked over by a court members of the class including the plaintiffs shall relinquish any and all claims against the company and members of its management board read the passage in the document in return a settlement in the amount of 1 one million eight hundred fifty thousand U.S. dollars shall be paid out to the class by the company and its insurer. The lawsuit in question were brought forward earlier this year after shareholders believed they had been misled by the developer over the game's performance on Xbox One and PlayStation Four. Upon launch, the game featured a particularly broken run on last-gen consoles and was subsequently moved for a period of time for the PlayStation Store, with thirty thousand refunds being issued by two players upon request. The first lawsuit filed by investors alleged that CD Projekt Red had made false and or misleading statements and or failed to disclose that Cyberpunk 2077 was virtually unplayable on current-gen 
generation Xbox or PlayStation systems due to an enormous number of bugs. Despite having to pay out almost $2 million to its investors, that figure seemingly pales in comparison to how much the studio has made across game sales during 2020, which VGC reports as around $563 million. While the studio will likely be hoping that it can finally turn a fresh page on the game's controversy, that, like, that won't necessarily have helped by Keanu Reeves' recent comments suggesting that he's never actually played Cyberpunk, despite previous confirmation from CD Projekt Red itself that he loved playing the game. So, the continued saga of Cyberpunk, yada yada yada. As pointed out in the article, even these lawsuits, the settlements, they're not going to hurt CG Project Ray when it comes to money. It's not going to hurt their bank account. They own good old games. And with you know a series like The Witcher and how well that Cyberpunk has done financially, they're fine. So in the end, is Cyberpunk really, or has Cyberpunk really hurt CG Project Red really much financially? No, not at all. It's actually seemingly done a, a lot of good for them. The issue where it's gonna they're gonna see in the future and, and where people might be trepidatious about them is confidence in the studio and their their more you know their upcoming games. If they release another Witcher, which I assume they will at some point, then yeah, people will probably go out and buy it like crazy. But other games, new IPs, Cyberpunk two, you might see people look back at this saga and say, I don't have as much confidence in you all when it comes to these games, so I'm gonna hold off buying. I'm or I'm not gonna buy. Um, you know, like me, I've said before, I'm not going to buy CD Project games, CD Project Red games in the future, simply because of all this. So, The Witcher is one area where they'll probably have some leeway, and people won't care. But new franchises, I mean, this is going to leave kind of a dark spot on their ledger. They people aren't really going to, you know, that's that's the long-lasting effect of this is that people may have lost trust in CD Project Red. Is it enough people to matter financially? We'll see. But uh, yeah, they're certainly not hurting for money. Which is, I mean, you never want to see a studio go under, but I, I, I certainly would have liked to see more change up at the top than CU Project Red has shown. Yield, sorry, do you have any thoughts on? You know, I just thought I just thought one point eight five is wow, they got off cheap. Yeah, I mean, this is that uh, CU Project Red settled, but it seems like the. Uh, the plaintiffs in the class in this suit settled for such a little amount of money. Yeah, because by the time you divide that all out, depending on how many people are in there, you're really not going to get that much. So, I mean, that just seems like a like a, a pebble in the ocean. I think a lot of people obviously were disappointed with the launch of Cyberpunk for many different reasons. I mean, sure, it was fine for some people, but a lot of people got screwed out of their money and had to ask for refunds. On the other hand, you have a game like Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl, which, yes, as a, which, sure, a Smash Brothers clone, but at the same time, it seemed to make a lot of people happy, including a lot of the pro Smash Brothers players. One of the big digs against Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl was the fact that there wasn't voice acting in the game. The game was fun, but with someone, you know, like Nickelodeon, you'd figure that with so many iconic characters like uh, Michelangelo, Leonardo, SpongeBob, Patrick Starr, Aang from um, Avatar, with so many iconic characters that they would want to have voice actors for those characters. Didn't launch for the game, but good news is that that will be coming in a future update. Article from IGN.com written by Jared Moore. The title is Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl appears to set, set to add crossplay and voice acting in upcoming updates. Quote, Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl will soon add crossplay during an upcoming update. Additionally, it has been teased that voice acting is coming to the game. 
during a recent Hungry Box stream, and if you don't know who Hungry Box is, he's a big Smash Brothers uh, competitive player, particularly uh, probably best known for playing Jigglypuff in Super Smash, or Super Smash Brothers Melee, being a uh, not only a streamer but one of the pro players in that. Art director Diego Hernandez spoke about a number of announcements and requested features that are set to be added in into All Star Brawl across the coming months. While a specific date has not been yet been confirmed, Hernandez explained that crossplay will be entering the game in Q1 2022. The feature will allow All Stars Brawl players who own the game across any of its available platforms: PC, PS4, PS5, Switch, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X slash S to jump into battle against their friends, regardless of whether or not they are both playing on the same type of device. We wanted to launch crossplay, says Hernandez in an interview, but we came to a conclusion that we needed to wait a bit longer to fine-tune some of the details. We were just testing out the waters and seeing how the netcode and everything worked first before introducing crossplay, so I think it's finally time for it, so we are confident about it and it's going to be there soon. While Hernandez offered hard confirmation surrounding the arrival of crossplay into the game, it also appeared that the game is set to add voice acting into future update 2. While not officially confirmed, Hernandez explained that there was another popular fan-requested feature currently in the works by the development team. Quote, All I can say is that we have heard your request and that we are hearing what you're talking about. This teaser was followed up by further de uh, developer update on the game's subreddit, which stated, We've been hearing your request and we'll make sure you'll be hearing from us soon. Uh, elsewhere in the interview, Hernandez announced that the game would be receiving its final free DLC character in the near future, as well as a range of other likely paid content that will be coming to the game next year. The new character comes only shortly after the All-Stars Brawl released its first free DLC character, Garfield. Prior to Garfield's arrival, rumors circulated speculating that the fans wouldn't be able to play as the legendary lasagna-eating cat on Monday, as per uh, his notable disdain for the day. However, these turned out to be untrue. Uh, that would have been cool if they actually left it like that. <laughs> yes. Yes. <I'm... laughs> the character is locked the character is locked out on Monday because he refuses to do anything on Monday. I mean that is cool, but also does anyone like Monday? So is no one allowed to play the game on Monday or all the characters locked out on Monday? I don't really think anyone looks forward to Monday. No. No, unless it's a day off of work. Although to be fair, Garfield is generally more vocal about that than most people. And let's be real. Like, what does he have to hate about Mondays? Garfield's routine is the same every day. He sleeps. He wakes up to eat lasagna. He sleeps some more. Picks on Odie. Although... Goes back to sleep. He is one of your lasagna-loving brethren, Yield. He loves lasagna. You love lasagna. Yep. We both hate Mondays. It's a nice way to bring some ring composition to this podcast. But Yield, I do believe yes. we have a question from the community. We do have a question for our community. This comes from Gareth, and he asks, is there a game or a game series each of you love, but isn't particularly well-received within the gaming community? Hmm. Um, I know one off the top of my head, uh, Demolition Racer was a PS1 game. It got panned in reviews. But uh, me and my buddies gave it a try, and it was absolutely fun. And I, I, it was one of them things of like, I couldn't understand why it got panned so hard. It's one of those kind of underground games that that if you got your hands on it, you loved. But like, the reviewers hated it. Um, there was that one. What? What? There's an ah. Uh, I know there's another game that that it's it's like an underground hit. I would say enslaved, but everybody loves enslaved. Yeah, I think that's the opposite of what he was asking. Yield. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that yeah, that's the opposite. Well, I don't, to be um, fair, I mean, to bring up another Ninja Theory game, 
their version of Devil May Cry, their their DMC got a lot more hate. And we talked we had Donnie on recently. We talked to Donnie about this. That version of Devil May Cry got so much hate for how good that game was, and it was and most of it was tied to the way that they portrayed Dante and how Dante looked. But I mean, Ninja Theory's Devil May Cry was really fucking good, and it was a lot of fun. But then again, I had, that was my first Devil May Cry game, so I didn't have the ties to the series that a lot of people did. Gotcha. And then um, Order eighteen eighty six. That's another game that I feel that people hated on way too much. Not you know, I I enjoyed the Order eighteen eighty six. I mean, yeah, it was short. Uh, yeah, I understood your gripe that there wasn't enough fights with the werewolves, but the foundation for a game series was laid so beautifully. Yeah, it too um too much hate for that game. Very undeserved, I believe. Um you you know, have complaints and have qu- you know, qualms with the game. I get that. You know, there there were definitely improvements they could made that they, you know, if Sony ever see uh, you know, wants to bring back that series, they certainly have room for improvement and they I think if they just iterated on it and took, you know, people's you know, um their criticisms into to heart they definitely could make a fantastic game out of that. So a um, little, little too much hate there, but I'm going to go a little old school with my actual answer. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if this game was actually, I don't think it was panned by critics, but I never really hear too much love for it. Like I didn't hear of a lot of people playing this game, although see, like there were rumors of a sequel and even some kind of footage surfaced it. Like I think it was an E3 one year. It was a game made by Capcom for the PS2 is called Dark Watch. You I don't know if you ever heard of this. It sounds kind of familiar. But it, it it's it was a game where you were you were um you were a lawman in the Wild West and you had recently been bitten by a vampire. So you yourself had turned into a vampire but you worked for the Dark Watch. The idea is you ever see the the, the first Hellboy or like the trailer for the first Hellboy? Yeah, I I enjoyed both Hellboy. Well, movies. there's the quote from that movie. It's like, there are things that go bump in the night. And then it's like, and we are the ones that bump back. That's the kind of premise yes. of it, because the Dark Watch was a, a group that kind of fought, you know, the those who would do harm to everyone else. And, Dar- and Jericho Cross, who was the main protagonist, was kind of, he was kind of a lawman, like, of the West. Like, he was the sheriff, kind of, um, for lack of a, a better term, but... He basically wore like this badge, and, and you know, the, one of the quotes in the game was "Death fears the badge." So he was kind of like law and order going against the vampires, even though he himself was a vampire. I can't remember the name of the the actual villain, but he himself was like the head vampire. But I mean, it was a really cool game, and you know, there were rumors of a sequel, but just it just never came out. But the Dark Watch was a really cool game that I enjoyed playing quite a bit. It was a uh, kind of a first person shooter. So. Gotcha. It sounds really interesting. There we go. Thank you for the question, Gareth. And again, thank you for my uh, my birthday wish, sir. We'll have to. We missed Gareth this week on uh, Rocket League, so we're gonna have to get him back for another Rocket League Thursday. Absolutely. As uh, we our record yield one too great this uh, this past week. I mean, you know that you were there. Yeah. Well, it, it wasn't as bad as Friday night. Oh, really? <laughs> no, we. It's it's not that we it's not that we played bad, but we just. We we went. What did we go? One and six, I think. So could have been better. It could have been better. It's 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 been a rough week for us in Rocket League, but we'll bounce back. 
may may have been a little rough for us in Rocket League this week, but definitely some some high points this week too. If you uh, listened to last week's episode, you know we were we were paying homage to Mandy and Sid's um, daughter Sophie, who tragically passed away at a very young age. You know we did the dinosaur jokes because Sophie loved dinosaurs, and you know one all wanted to wish her a happy birthday on on her special day. And you know Sid listened to the episode, and he sent he sent me a message. Um, and you know Sid and I had a little back and forth like we do. Um, Let's see. Let me see if I can find the exact message. Uh, Sid sent me a message on Messenger saying, Thanks for your kind words, brother. Uh, I respond, uh, Y'all deserve every word and many more. And then Sid said, You guys have done more for us than us for you, bud. To which I, I said, You all have helped us and we have helped you all. It's what friends do. And then Sid said, Well said, matey. Hope the family are doing well. So I know that Sid really, really appreciated um Last week's episode, you know, and us wishing Sophie a happy birthday and, you know, just just every all the nice things we had to say about him. So uh, just wanted that to lead into our episode this week of Sophie's Trophies. So take it away, Sid. Hey, guys, Sid again with the Rat Platt Trophy Guide, otherwise known as Sophie's Trophies. Um, now, before I get started today, guys, there's been a lot of discussion uh, lately about rat plats, uh, with Tricky and Daryl doing their rat plat. Uh, war, whatever they want to call it. Now, I have to say, my view on these, um, most of the rat plat games are actually quite good fun to play. Um, I would recommend playing some of them. Some of them are utter shite. But uh, the majority of them, they're actually worth playing. I think the only problem with Rat Plat games um, is 99% of people will never see the end of one of them because the trophies are all front-loaded. Now, this is not a bad thing if you want to get Platinum trophies. Um, You know, I feel sorry for some of the developers, um, but I'm guessing that is their choice. They made it, although Rat Games may have have a contract with developers to say look make your platinums easy um there are some tough ones like crisis wing um things like that um but overall you know i think if somebody wants to go for rat plats do it you know they're games at the end of the day a game is a game you pay for the game um the people who make these games are probably a hell of a lot more talented at anything than i am i couldn't do it I wouldn't even know where to start. So in that token, even even a even a crap game, I wouldn't know how to make. You know, all right, I, I take the mick out of games um, for comedic purposes whilst doing this. Um, but at the end of the day, I can't do it. And if these people want to make their games so people can get platinums, then why not? They're making money off it. Um, people who are platinum hunters, trophy hunters, um, they they get the platinum so you know what i say go for it tricky go for it daryl i mean i've I've been getting plenty lately um these games are absolutely perfect for sophie's trophies you know they're quick i can do them and i can explain them which is the whole point of this section um so yeah that is uh, my view on rap plats go for it why not um so there you go But today's game, guys, this is called Enter Digiton, Heart of Corruption. To explain it, it is a side-scrolling game. 
Um, very simple controls. You have a dash, which is R1. Um, you have attack, which is a circle, jump, which is X, and a kind of rebound thing on your shield, which is square. Very simple. Um, it looks like something like Jet Set Willy, things like that on the Commodore 64. Um, so the Platinum itself, as I've just said, Rat Plat, very easy. Um, but it is a fun little thing to do. I did the PS5 and the PS4 version in about 20 minutes yesterday. So let's go for it. Exploration Master. This one is the Platinum. And then you have three sets of trophies. You've got Hunter 1, Hunter 2, and Hunter 3, which is for killing a certain amount of enemies. So kill 6 enemies, kill 24 enemies, kill 48 enemies. Now, you can do this on pretty much the first screen. Just kill the enemy, drop into a pit of lava, and then just keep doing that. That is, you know, if you want to do it that way. Very simple, very quick. Then you've got Opener 1, Opener 2, Opener 3, which is open one door with a key, open two doors with a key, open five doors with a key. Um, this one you do need to move around a bit more. There are transitions within the sections, because um, the game is broken up into different sections. If you go through one of those transitions and end up in a different section, that's classed as opening a door. So all you need to do is open five doors. Um, to open a normal door, not doing a transition, you need to find the key, um, which is like a little glowing thing. You've got a purple one, you've got a green one, you've got a red one, etc., etc., and they open um, corresponding doors. Then you have cleaner one, cleaner two, cleaner three. Now these are destroy 25 obstacles, destroy 75 obstacles, destroy 200 obstacles. Again, guys, you can pretty much do this on the first screen if you want to while you're going for the kill enemies trophy. Because every time you respawn, you will end up with the objects, which just look like background objects, but you'll recognize them. Um, in the first setting, they're like piles of rubble. So if you destroy them as you uh, go towards your trophy for getting kills, um, you'll work your way towards this. It doesn't take long at all. And the last batch is clearer one, clearer two, clearer three. And they are die six times, die 12 times, and die 24 times. Again, you will do this pretty much on the first screen when you're going for the kill 48 enemies, because every time you kill the two enemies that are at the start, you can easily just drop into the lava and die. Um, like I said, it's on the PS4, it's on the PS5. Separate trophy lists. I did them both yesterday. And you know what? I am not ashamed. Because, um, like I said, plat, rat plats. You know, they're plats. They're games. If you like the game, play the game. I won't be doing Crisis Wing because that is a bitch to do. I don't have the time or the patience to do that. But other games, I do. So, that's going to be it from me. Uh, probably this year, guys, um, with Christmas coming up, I want to spend some time with the family, um, you know, chill out, relax and all that. We've had a, we've had a rough year. Um, so the family deserves all my attention. Um, so yeah, I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, especially, especially the trophy horse. Um, these guys have done 
wonders for me and Mandy. Um, you know, we cannot even begin um, to show our appreciation for what these guys have done for us. Um, but for everybody else, all the listeners, Daryl, you know, Mark, you know, I may be forgetting people. I am forgetting people, old age and all that. But for everybody who listens, have a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and keep getting those rat plats. Bye. Thank you, Sid, for another enlightening episode of Sophie's Trophies. And again, sir, we always appreciate your kind words. You've always been a good friend to the show. And you'll, you'll never know how much your story and how much you um, reaching out to us has meant to all of us. We, we say it, but there, there are no words to do it justice. So, um, like I said, we're, we're all friends here and, you know, it's, we, we all help each other out in any way we can. We all, we all do great things for each other. Sometimes the smallest things, uh, mean, you know, the, the most to all of us. So, sir, your kind, your kind words, your friendship, they're always appreciated. So we're just always glad when we can do something nice for you because you as a friend have, have been, um, such uh, a great thing for us. So. Uh, Yield, do you want to say anything else before we get uh, into our shout-outs? Let's get into the shout-outs. All right, sir. Well, why don't you tee off here? So, uh, give a shout-out to you, all the pimps and madams of the Horror Dome. Thank you for interacting with us, whether that would be watching us for on for our Rocket League Thursdays, uh, jumping in on a game with us, interacting with us on social media, uh all that stuff. It, it, it's, it's pretty cool from where we started to where we're at today. Um, shout out to Alex for recording tonight. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, I'm kind of light on shout outs this week, but yeah. Can I shout out to the Bengals? No, not yet because we still have three games to blow everything. So, well, that's not a lot of confidence. Well, well hey, it sounds man. like your favorite set of games are getting ready to come out from EA. It's like, well, I'm really excited for these games, but you know EA's going to fuck it up somehow. Hey, I have been a Bengals fan for life. I remember the 90s and the early 2000s, so I don't get overhyped for my team, especially when there are there's probably a handful of games that they should have won and squandered them. So I, I'm happy where we're at right now, considering last year we only won four games, and we're at uh, eight now. But there's, we still got three tough games to end the season. And so we could very well not make the playoffs or we very well could be in the playoffs. So, uh, we'll, we'll wait till the end of the season before if I give him a shout out or, or uh, a torpedo. I want to call you out for being a, a person, a ye of little faith yield, but you know, so, so much of disappointment in life comes from unrealistic, unrealistic expectations or expectations not meeting what happens in reality. So. I can respect you tempering things a little bit and not, you know, going out there and be like, Bengals three in a row, let's go, streak. We're going to the Super Bowl! You know, no, I'm, you know, we make it to the playoffs, I'll be extremely happy. Because I really didn't, well, I mean, the possibility was there because we do have Joe Burrow, but it, it, it's my coaching staff I lack faith in. Well, before we get out of here, I want to throw out some shout outs. I want to give a shout out uh, to the listeners, the fans, the fuel to the fires that is Trophy Horse. Thank you to our community, who the lifeblood of this podcast. Without without you all, 
there would be no podcast. We're on episode 505, and we have you all to thank for every single thing, because this engine doesn't go without its gasoline, and you all are the ones that keep us going. Give a shout out uh, again for all the fantastic birthday wishes that I got. I appreciate that you all took some time out of your day to wish me a happy birthday and make my day even more special. So I wanted to thank thank anyone who wished me a happy birthday and had good things to say to, say to me. And give a shout out to again Sid. Love the fact that he's he's cu- he's bringing Sophie's trophies back and um, doing a fantastic job with it. So always good to hear from Sid. And again, uh, appreciate your your friendship, Sid, more than anything. So. It's good to have you back on Trophy Horse. Also want to give a, a shout out to Tricky. Again, spending today celebrating his dad's birthday. Um, and, you know, we too want to wish uh, Glenn a happy birthday. Um, we know it's been t- tough for Tricky with his father passing away recently. But uh, we all want to take the, the time to uh, to remember Tricky's dad. And uh, just those dynamite poker ads that uh, or those gambling ads, the 31-something.net that he used to do on here. Uh, the voice of Trophy Horse for for a long time, or at least Trophy Horse uh, ads. So, uh, a big shout out to Tricky and his family um, during the holiday season here. And last but not least, I want to give a love a shout out to my loving and awesome girlfriend Ashley, who took me out for a fantastic dinner at a restaurant called Fork and Barrel. Got myself some shrimp and grits. Got myself some lobster fritters. Felt bloated as fuck after eating them, like I was a balloon about to float away. But uh, I always like to try new birthdays on my restaurant, or new birthdays, new restaurants on my birthday, and uh, I'm a adventurous eater, so I love to do that, and she made it happen, so I want to thank her for uh, a fantastic dinner, and you know, we've done some holiday stuff with family this weekend, so it's been great to spend that time with her, and uh, I love you, honey, uh, looking forward to our another Christmas together. Oh, and yeah, thanks for, you know, helping me buy Returnal, that's great too, it's appreciated. Uh, she's looking at me right now, giving me a double thumbs up, so. Uh, I will get off the Mega Man train and start playing Returnal real soon. But that's going to be it, folks, for episode 505. We thank you all for joining us, as we always do. This is really kind of going to be, I guess, our, our Christmas episode, because quite frankly, uh, we're not going to have another episode before the holiday. So, Yield, um, anything in particular you're looking forward to about Christmas? Any, ty- any Like a meal or a certain present or a game you want to get? Uh, well... Uh, we're having ribs at my mom and dad's on Christmas That's Eve. That's not so. Christmas food. Hey, hey, our family does things a little, a little differently. We, we've gone, we've had from pizza to ham, ribs. We've had soup. We we just kind of something different. Um, so I'm looking forward to some ribs. I mean, ham is a Christmas is a traditional Christmas food, and and ribs it are is. pork. So someone's gonna be putting a lot of effort into that dinner. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, I'm looking forward to my cinnamon rolls. It's a tradition. We always have cinnamon rolls Christmas morning. So that's always nice. Um, I'm actually just looking to just kind of hang out with, with my friends, you know, because we're all kind of off at that time of year. So we always always kind of make it a point to get together and hang out for a day. So most Now, when you say your friends, are you guys going to be getting together for some Mario Kart or Mario Party? Uh, it, it kind of, dip, uh, it may lead to that. It may not. I know I'm going to go over to one buddy's house and we'll exchange gifts and kind of just hang out. And I'm sure we'll end up playing video games. And then I'll be over at Riley's house another time and hanging out with him and his kids. So who knows what we'll get involved in then, but 
Sounds like a sitcom. We don't know what kind of craziness we're going to get into. Whatever hijinks no, no. yield it's, in the it's game. Kind, it's kind of like it's kind of like an episode of Seinfeld. Well, who's Kramer? Who's busting down the door like Kramer? Probably me. In that instance. And is your brother Jerry Seinfeld? There or is you your brother? Wait, who's yeah. George Costanza? Well, I mean, well. Or wait, is Riley Jerry and then George is, is your brother? I, You know, you could probably go with that. Hey, for Christmas, we're, you know, uh, Ashley's kids, they're at their dad's house this year, so we're not going to have to wake up super early. We're just going to get to sleep in a little bit. My mom is going to come over, probably going to have some brunch. Have uh, Ashley's going to make, I think, a, a crab dip. We're going to do maybe a quiche, something like that for breakfast. So it's going to be a, a good start to the day. I'll have some... Some of my favorite tea, sit down and just kind of look at the Christmas lights because we got, oh, uh, Yield, I got some really cool ornaments this year, um, including a Hallmark released a miniature Super Nintendo as well as a Castle Grayskull ornament, and I was able to get both of them. So so is that the Super Nintendo one Yeah, you can turn on and it makes noise? I believe so, but I haven't tried. It's got the Super Mario World cartridge ah. in it, but we got a okay. we got an NES one last year and I got the SNES this year. And I also got a Stay Puft Marshall Marshmallow Man where there's three like mini Marshmallow Men and they're all trying to get into a cup of hot cocoa. I think it's for the movie Afterlife. And also got a yeah, Donkey got Kong from Mario Kart. He's driving a little Mario Kart ornament. So that's some new, some new cool ass ornaments for the tree because that's always a big thing. Like growing up, my mom and I would always go to Hallmark and look over the new ornaments and buy a few ornaments. So that's always a fun activity that I like to do toward the end of the year. So I'm just going to enjoy the day and hopefully get into um, – Get into some Returnal. Maybe we bought Mario Party Superstars uh, about a month or so ago and never played it. So maybe Ashley and I will play some Mario Party that day. But yeah, probably just, you know, crack into some some games that I need to play and just enjoy the, the sights of the Christmas tree. I totally am okay with that. All right, well, folks, however you're going to spend your holidays, let us know. Write us on the, on the Trophy Horse thread on Facebook. It's the best way to get a hold of us. And whichever holidays you're celebrating this this year, um... You know, we hope you guys had a happy Hanukkah. Uh, we hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. Um, and a happy Kwanzaa to everyone who celebrates Kwanzaa out there. But just however you celebrate, we hope that you have a safe and merry holiday season with the ones you love, family, friends, everybody. And uh, until next week, happy trophy hunting. Merry Christmas, everybody. theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash Even Philippines. 